As you prepare for retirement, you'll be faced with many important choices. We want you to make the right ones. Welcome to Financial Choices Matter with Charles Scott. Charles is an accredited investment fiduciary. He's well-equipped to help you make sound financial decisions. We want you to experience a meaningful retirement. On our podcast, we believe financial choices matter. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Financial Choices Matter with Charles Scott. I'm Mark Kaywood here alongside Charles Scott. He is a fiduciary advisor at Peloton Capital Management, serving you in Scottsdale. Find him online at pelotoncapital.com. That's pelotoncapital.com. Or you can reach out, call the office 480-513-1830. That's 480-513-1830. With that, Charles, hello. Welcome into the show. How are we doing? We're great, Mark. No candy hangover. We're recording this the day after Halloween, so everybody survived. And it's always interesting that a lot of people here in the office where we are in the building had lots of interesting costumes on. So it was kind of fun. What was the best costume you saw this year for Halloween? A guy dressed up in a space suit like he was walking on the moon. Wow. Totally, it, totally encased in a plastic suit. I thought, yike, that's got to be hot. <laughs> So I went to college at UNC Chapel Hill in North Carolina, and every year at Halloween, the main drag in the college town, it's called Franklin Street, they'd shut it down and they would have thousands of folks turn out for Halloween in their costumes. And I remember when I was a little kid, I think it maxed out at like 70,000 people. And they finally wow. they finally got to where they were like, this is getting a little out of hand. We want to kind of taper it off. And so while I was in school, it was probably about 30,000 that came out. But everybody would bring their costumes and you could go and check them out. There's no candy, of course, College Town. But man, the costumes that people came up with were just hilarious. Halloween, always a fun holiday. And now I'm sure by the time you're listening to this, I've got in our distribution notes that it's almost time for Thanksgiving, which is exciting as well. So we're just from one holiday to the next. It's that time of year where a lot of office parties and a lot of family gatherings are coming up. This is really one of my favorite times of year, Charles. It really is. My wife gets very excited by the time we get to Christmas. So that's her biggest deal. Although Halloween's a close second, but Christmas is out of control. Oh, I can tell you, by the time that you, the listener, are listening to this, I'll have the decorations up. My wife told me this weekend, you know, it's currently, as of this recording, day after Halloween, my wife told me, this weekend, decorations are going up, buddy. You're stuck with it. So we got a lot of Christmas spirit right. waiting to come out in our house. So Sounds familiar. Always a fun time of year. But before we can get to some of the festivities, we got to talk retirement, of course. That's what we're here on the show for today. You don't want to hear about our candy mishaps and Halloween mishaps. Let's kick it off with the news. Extra, extra, read all about it. Well, we do love to take the headlines, see what's going on in the world around us, how that might apply to our finance. Now, this one's interesting, Charles, this headline, and you'll see why. We actually talked before we started recording. We were talking about Halloween, catching up, and Charles, you were telling me about the candy tax. You used to put on your kids. Tell us briefly about that. Well, the kids would go out trick-or-treating. They would come back and they always had way more than they could possibly eat or we would allow them to eat because we had 250 or 275 kids come to our door when we were up in the Seattle area. Which is crazy, by the way. I, I know. It was really fun though. And so we would, you know, kids would come home, make a candy dump. And so we would say, okay, give us some stuff that you don't want, you know, you don't like. And we would just, you know, basically, as you're saying, tax them, put it back in the bowl and hand it out to the kids. The came, continued to come. And they'd be gone and come back, you know, 
with a whole nother load. So we had strict rules about candy and Halloween. So yeah, that's probably not a bad way to put it. It was kind of a candy tax. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't look at it that way, but it worked. A strict candy tax. Well, that's interesting. And the reason that I bring it up is because at the beginning of the year, Seattle, the city of Seattle, implemented a soda tax. And so far, it's brought in $10 million in revenue. What's your opinion of taxes like this that are kind of designed to change people's buying habits? Well, having lived in Seattle and around Seattle for years and years and years before we moved down here to uh, Scottsdale, Phoenix, Seattle's goofy. Their tax systems are goofy. The state of Washington's goofy from taxes. They will tell you they don't have a state income tax, and they don't, but they tax the bejesus out of everything else. But if you stop and step back from that, whether you like it or don't like it, the taxes everywhere, the soda tax is a perfect example. They're trying to change people's buying habits, but they're trying to change their behavior. But when you look at the tax code in general, that's really what it does. The politicians say, we want you to act this way. We're going to give you a tax incentive. That's the way they've always done it. Think about a mortgage. If you have a mortgage and you pay interest, they have said, we want to encourage people to own homes. So we're going to allow you to deduct the interest on your mortgage payment. We want to change your behavior because you know we want to disincent or incent what we think is important and what kind of social actions we want you to take. So this doesn't surprise me at all from a perspective of what Seattle's doing. It's like, okay, we don't want everybody to drink sugar or any kind of soda because, you know, whatever. But taxes have always been some sort of incentive or disincentive. That's the way they're structured. That's why they get put in the place in the first place. So this doesn't surprise me at all. It's just something you have to live with or move, but you're just going to go someplace. You're going to go someplace else has got a different kind of tax. So it's just, you can't escape it. Well, and I think if you apply this to your financial life, it highlights the importance of planning for some of these taxes. Now, of course, you can't plan for the soda tax, but I mean more with your investments. There's certain taxes and the ways certain capital gains are taxed, and you can plan for that. And that's a lot of what we talk about on this podcast all the time is tax strategies. Let's move on now. It's an interesting headline. And we'll be interesting to see how that one plays out in the next few years. I'm sure it's pretty divisive right now in that part of the country. Let's move on now to the mailbag. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. All right, we love getting your listener questions. We love hearing from you. And this week, we've got a question that came to us from Bailey in Phoenix. Bailey says, I'm constantly waffling between wanting to protect my money with safer investments and wanting to get as much growth as I can. Which should I do? I'll be 60 next month. How about some of each, maybe? (laughs) That's my opinion. I think some of each. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. Can you protect your money? Can you do some safe investing? But do you want to grow it? Most people still do, especially if you're not right at the stage of retirement. And even at some point in time, you want to have some kind of allocation to safe dollars and you want to have some kind of an allocation to money that's taking more investment risk because it's got the opportunity to grow. So it's not a goofy question at all. And it doesn't have to have a perfect answer because there is no perfect answer. It's what are you comfortable with? And I think that's when you know working with a financial planner that can help you come to a conclusion about where does that percentage allocation fall and what do I want it to be? Most people will, you know, if you talk them through the process and get them to think about some things that maybe they hadn't thought of before, 
you know, do you want guaranteed income at some point in time? Like, you know, if you had a pension or social security is pretty much guaranteed income, do you have other investments that you could turn into something that's a lifetime guaranteed income? Is that something that makes you comfortable? And if it is, to what degree do you need to have that? It comes back to planning, having a plan, having a plan that you're not necessarily locked into and can't change because things do change. So you have to have a plan that's flexible. And it needs to be your plan. You don't have to have my plan for Pete's sake. It's your plan. So my job, our responsibility is to make sure that we walk you through the choices that are available to you and help you figure out. So, you know, you're asking a good question, Bailey, but I don't think you want to look at it from the point of view of got to do one or the other because you can do and probably for almost everyone should do some of each. That's the easiest way to do it. And then it's just deciding what's the right amount. So don't overthink it, but... That's probably the simplest and most constructive way that you can get a little bit of each, be safe and still grow your money at the same time. Well, thank you, Bailey, for writing in. And you actually, Bailey, will lead us right into our discussion today because, Charles, I know a lot of what you do is problem solving. Questions like this and some of the other mailbag questions we get are great examples of some of the problem solving that you do. I think most people think that a financial advisor's primary job is just picking investments, but that's really only a small part of it, an important part, but a small part of it. Your primary job is problem solving. So I just like to look at some different problems that you solve or have solved. Maybe you can give us an example of a client or two you've been able to help. And I want to talk about why they're problems to begin with and then what you can do to mitigate those areas of your financial life, those issues you deal with. So Charles, tell us about someone you've helped with a tax-related problem to kick us off. Well, a lot of times the tax issues are going to be, you know, what's the cause? Is there a tax issue that they're anticipating having or is it one that they've already had because something happened, they sold something or, you know, depends on the circumstances, but they maybe sold something then didn't realize they were going to have a capital gain tax to pay. A lot of it ends up being just, it was surprised how much I had to pay in taxes this year. And we'll just refer them to, you know, the good CPA just to get a second opinion for them because there's a lot of times when the guys that are preparing taxes and gals for that matter, obviously, they're going to take potentially a different approach. You would think the tax code is the same for everybody, but it's a lot of it ends up being how you interpret it. So, you know, if it's an income tax issue because you just made more money than you thought and you didn't take the right kind of deductions, certainly for somebody that's self-employed or has their own business, there's a lot of times people are not taking all the business deductions that they can possibly take. So, you know, you maybe have just not known that you should be doing this or that or the other thing, and that would minimize your taxes. So, you know, again, tax planning is one of the five pillars of financial planning. And it's not that we do tax returns for people because we don't. I don't do my own for Pete's sake, but you can do tax planning. We're doing more and more and more for people all the time in the area of sort of trying to get rid of Uncle Sam as your tax partner in your retirement. Because if you've got everything in a in an IRA or 401k or you know some other kind of tax deferred account, at some point in time, you're going to have to pay tax on it. Would you rather pay tax on it now and get it out of the way? There's a lot of different reasons why it might happen. And if it's already happened, then sometimes there's not a whole heck of a lot you can do about it other than just try to make sure you don't do the same thing and have the same thing happen in the future. But in a lot of cases, it's like just looking, saying, let's be sure that we don't do anything stupid that we should be doing. And so we're not going to have a tax problem. Charles, another problem that you sadly sometimes have to solve is that of a client who comes in and they've been in a divorce. A lot of times that causes financial upheaval. And so there's a lot of 
planning that has to go into kind of putting the pieces back together in your financial life during that time, what does that look like to help someone do that? Well, for a lot of people, one of the most important things when a divorce happens, and it's a sad event, and we've had clients that we've come in contact with after they've been divorced, and we've had clients that we've actually helped go through a divorce from a financial planning point of view. And a lot of it ends up being whichever circumstance you're in right now, you need to just sort of step back and regroup. You need to say, okay, it's now me, not us. You know, obviously the kids are included unless the kids are grown up, but it's me, not us. So I have to think about me and I have to think about it in the context of one of the most important things, at least from our experience that they need to be thinking about is they're now living in two households. The spouses are living in two houses. It's going to be way more expensive than just living in one. So the critical thing and the biggest thing on the list that's the hardest for most people to wrap their head around is how much does it cost me every month to live? People call it a budget. We like to call it a spending plan. We want to help you plan how you're going to spend the dollars. But two houses are going to be more expensive than one. It's just a fact of life. So you just need to know how all of this is going to fit together and knowing what dollars are coming in, obviously, what dollars are going out and how they go out. It's the foundation for all of this. And one other thing that people sometimes forget about is unless I want my ex-spouse to continue to be the beneficiary of my IRA or my 401k maybe, or my life insurance policies, then you need to change the beneficiaries. Because we have heard a couple of horror stories in our career of folks that have forgotten to do that. And it's turned out to be a giant mess. And it's almost impossible to undo if you don't change that beneficiary. Take the ex-spouse off if that's what your desire is. And then make sure that you're going to have the new beneficiaries to be exactly who you want them to be. So those are a couple of the biggest issues. Those are the most common mistakes that we have seen in the past. Divorces are tricky because we have always said, you're being asked to make the biggest financial decision in your life at a time when you're probably the least emotionally capable of doing it well. So we empathize with those folks because it's difficult. But there are some key planning things that you just need to understand. And, you know, the spending plan and the beneficiary thing are two critical parts of it. So never fun, but you can still make the most of it if you come up with a reasonable plan to deal with the future. Can't do anything about the past, but you can certainly take care of the future. So, Charles, we've been talking on the podcast today about the problems that you solve as an advisor, how it's more than just investments. We've established that. What does it look like then for somebody to come in and meet with you when they have any of these issues? And there are others as well, right? Maybe you've been forced into an early retirement. Maybe you've had trouble with another broker or advisor in the past. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe everything's humming along swimmingly and you're just planning for retirement. Maybe you're trying to send your kids to college, all sorts of issues. How do you help folks to get their financial ducks in a row, so to speak, and get that retirement plan in place? Ask them lots and lots of questions because most of the time, if they're telling me things that are going on and we're asking the right kind of questions, we'll come to a point where they may, in fact, and what's happened a few times, not very many, to be honest, where someone has come in and they said, this is the situation. We've asked the questions that we need to ask. What are they really trying to accomplish, et cetera? And we have said to them, hey, there's not a heck of a lot we could do to help. You're really set up really well. So congratulations. And don't let somebody else try and talk you into something because you probably don't need it. But it's a question and answer session. I mean, that's what it really boils down to is, you know, why are you here? What are you concerned about something? Where can we go with that? And just see if, in fact, that's a concern that merits engaging us to work with them in the future, because it's totally up to them. 
you know, we can't help everybody. Most people have some kinds of issues, though, that we usually can help with. It's just helping them clarify it, helping them identify what it is and just making sure that whatever path they choose to take is one that's going to work for them. So it's a simple process. In our office, there's absolutely no pressure. There's no expectation that we're going to have anything other than a fun conversation. And hopefully they'll find out a little bit more about us. And we'll certainly find out a lot more about them. And that's the way planning ought to be, at least the way we do it. If you'd like to reach out to Charles and the team at Peloton Capital Management, you can do so by calling 480-513-1830. That's 480-513-1830. Or you can go online to pelotoncapital.com. That's pelotoncapital.com. Charles, as always, we'd like to thank you for joining us on the podcast. It's been fun, Mark. Thank you. We'll do it all again next time on another edition of Financial Choices Matter. Financial planning and investment advisory services are provided by Peloton Capital Management Limited, a state-registered investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. No one should assume the information presented here serves as a receipt of or substitute for personalized individual advice provided by Peloton Capital Management. For more information, visit www.pelotoncapital.com.